Welcome to another episode of our Gospel of John devotional series. Um, we are still in chapter 17, and today we have Sam Fowles, who's uh, served in the worship team, been a community group leader, is a community group leader currently, along with his wife, Krista. Um, he's going to share from verses 6 through 19 for us. So I will turn it over to Sam. Well, hello, Door of Hope. Uh, I hope this message finds you healthy and hopeful um, during these strange quarantine days. Uh, my name is Sam Fowles. I've uh, been going to Door of Hope for about eight years. Um, I met my wife, Krista, there, and we attend with our son, River, who's two and a half. And I help out mostly uh, with worship um, ministry and Krista and I lead a community group as well, and we're just really blessed and privileged to be a part of this community. And uh, Cameron has uh, given me the privilege of stepping in and contributing to our uh, devotional in the Gospel of John. So I'm going to take you through part of the High Priestly Prayer. Um, starts in chapter 17, the verses I'm going to zero in on are 6 through 19. So I'll read it to you first and then kind of give you my personal reflection on it in hopes that uh, it gives you some encouragement. So this is during the Last Supper. Jesus is turning now from the teaching that he was giving to his disciples, um, to God the Father in prayer. Verse 6 picks up this way. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Well, what a beautiful privilege to just get to see the heart of Christ for his followers in this prayer. And after spending about a week with these verses, um, there's a few things that have kind of jumped out at me that I want to share with you. So I'll kind of chunk this 
um, section into like three parts. And the first one would be just this, um, this line, come to know in verse eight. Um, the whole verse reads, for I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. So Jesus speaking to the father and they have believed, the disciples have believed that you, God sent me. And to me, this speaks of the heart of what faith means, maybe is a good way to say it. That, that, that phrase, come to know, really jumps out at me. It makes me think about how faith develops, how it, it really develops over time in relationship to Christ. I was thinking about saving faith as distinct from the type of faith that I'm sort of referring to here. Um, so, so like Romans 10 would be a good place to find out more about like the immediacy of saving faith, the immediate effect and power that that has. And that's not really what I'm kind of thinking about in these verses in, in verse eight. But from, we started saving faith, um, confessing Jesus with our mouths and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And then from there in our daily lives, we exercise and develop our faith. Uh, I think outside the church, faith can kind of be seen as like a substitute for some sort of scientific knowledge about like where life comes from. But I think those of us in the church know better that that's not really what faith means. Uh, Josh Wilder did one of these devotional um, installments a number of weeks ago, and I like the way he put it. He said that the kind of faith that I'm trying to talk about here is putting your whole weight on Jesus. You, you really trust him like you trust sitting in a chair. Um, I thought that was a really well-articulated picture of faith that Josh put forward for, for us. And the word abide kind of came into my mind too. Abiding, spending time, you know, with the Lord. Time and time again, you just come to trust him, to look to him, to see how things are going to turn out. Um, and then also in Matthew 11, we have these lines from Jesus that you probably are familiar with. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And learning is another thing that takes time, effort. Like if I, if I read enough Shakespeare, I'll come to kind of know his artistic style, kind of his literary devices that he employs a lot. And you could, you could probably pick a Shakespearean poem out from a number of other contemporary poets because you've, you've learned, you've spent time studying Shakespeare and now you've come to know his voice. And speaking of knowing the voice, um, Annie Robertson also, um, contributed to this devotional and I, and she mentioned that sheep know the voice of their shepherd as distinct from other voices. And then one other example that I was thinking about, <laughs> it's a little silly, so bear with me, but, um, the, there's a, the band Electric Light Orchestra. I don't know if you know, like, Evil Woman and Don't Bring Me Down. A totally rad 70s band. Um, they have a distinct sound, okay? And, and their singer, Jeff Lynn, he produced the records for them, I think. And he later went on to work with Tom Petty in the 80s. And he produced a couple Tom Petty records, um, Full Moon Fever being one of those records. And, and if you listen to Full Moon Fever, the Tom Petty record, it really kind of sounds like an electric light orchestra record. If you spend some time with those, those electric light orchestra records, 
and then you hear full moon fever, it's like, oh, I, I hear the kind of hallmark, the sonic sort of signature of Jeff Lynne. Um, so just something else I thought of that could hopefully, despite its silliness, kind of build upon this idea that faith is developing over time in relation to something, in this case, Christ. The second concept that I wanted to touch on comes out of verses 11 and 13. Um, And those read this way. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And then if you jump down to 13, but now I am coming to you, And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. For this bit, I jumped to a New Testament commentary. But I I think this is really insightful. Um, So in these verses, in 11, Jesus is speaking of no longer being in the world. And then in 13, he's speaking about still being in the world. I just read you the quote from this commentary. I think it's so great. He says, Jesus is right there with his disciples just before his death, but he is praying from the realm of eternity. This prayer of Jesus shows that he is completely confident in the outworking of God's unfolding will. I can't say it any better than that. And and I think that's a pretty amazing observation about those verses. I think it's just good news (laughs) that the confidence is is Christ's because my confidence wavers a lot. And I think the same is probably true of most of the rest of us. And we're on this lifelong journey with God to gain more confidence in his work on the cross on our behalf um, and, and the implications of that for our eternal destiny. But like today and always, what we need is a confidence in Jesus's confidence. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss regarding these verses, uh, it comes in verses 14 through 19. And those read this way. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I think this section brings up a question for me and then poses an answer. And the question is simply like, why? Why this way? God, why is the world this way? Why are we left in the world? And now I'm sort of interpreting this prayer to be for all of Jesus' followers. Um, But even why did the disciples experience what they experienced? The hatred, um, the brokenness of the world, the rejection of of, of the message of Jesus. Yeah, the world is messed up. And especially times like now, it can be bringing up doubts and questions, fears. Um, God, are you really an all good God? If this is the world that you have us in, I don't think it's wrong to have those feelings 
those doubts from time to time. And, you know, to be honest, the full disclosure of this mystery is totally beyond me. Um, but I think Jesus, in the, in the latter part of this section, he gives us at least one reason why. Um, it's sanctification. It seems like Jesus sees the disciples being in the world and really tested as the best thing for them. And it's like an opportunity for them and, and by extension us to, to choose to place our faith and our trust and our confidence back in Jesus. And in that way, it, it's, it sort of goes back to what Josh Wilder had talked about as like putting our whole weight on him. I think the confidence that Jesus praised with um, in verses 11, 13, really the whole section is really something that we can put our whole weight on. The confidence that we have in Christ, it's not perfect. Our faith is clouded by unbelief as well. But Jesus had perfect faith and perfect confidence in his earthly life. And we can have that when we put our trust in him. We can have his confidence and his faith. And thanks be to God for that because ours don't compare. I wanted to conclude our time together um, reading you something from a C.S. Lewis essay called Unliving in an Atomic Age. Man, I think this, this whole thing really does apply to our current situation right now. So let me read it to you. Um, this is just a little section of it, but the whole thing is worth checking out. So keep it in mind. He says, the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. I sent that to a friend of mine, and he said, man, a pint and a game of darts sounds like the best thing in the world right now. <laughs> and obviously this isn't 100% applicable to our unique situation right now. However, I thought the bulk of it was really valuable and, and thought I would do my part in passing it along to you in case it helps you out. Well, there you go. Um, let me just take a moment to say a blessing over you through this technology. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.